Hey, it's Peter here with MyFSHD. Oh, Saturday mornings back. Well, it comes pretty fast. Uh, but you know, I got my coffee. Uh, the sun's just about getting up, a little before 5 a.m. Uh, we'll be heading to the San Francisco airport uh, to pick up our friends flying in for the, the Patient Connect meeting. We'll be heading there pretty soon. But uh, yeah, you know, first wanted to you know, just kind of catch up on things. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's still surprising to me that how, I guess how little, <laughs> how little gets published. I guess I just didn't notice so much. Um, and I wanted to kind of talk a little bit briefly about uh, Andrea, you know, we met with Andrea Nunish. <laughs> Again, you know, no one ever tells me I'm mispronouncing their name. Of course, that doesn't mean I, I could pronounce them correctly. I, I feel horrible about it. But I've never been able to roll my R's. It was always a disaster in, in French class and in Spanish, just forget about it. But then Portuguese, I don't know. I guess, I guess it's a good thing I was born in the US. So I just cannot make those noises. But anyway, Andrea, I loved the fact, you know, she uh, took a little bit of time out of her day to, to talk with us. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. She, and, and this tends to be the case of people, yeah, you're kind of nervous, kind of hesitant, but then they have a good time just sitting down talking. You know, we're not firing questions, really just having a conversation. And we do this all the time, actually. You get, you get kind of a feel for what's life like in our lab. And and I think this is one thing that that's, uh, you know, I, I, mean, I hate to say things like it sets us apart, but it's just a, it's just a little different because, you know, you got um, 10, 11 of us uh all working on fshd and you have you know uh takako and who's you know she could have her own fshd lab easy she creates the animal models and the cell models is doing the human xenograph models and then you have um you have our crispr goddess carice who is uh i mean god i mean everyone i mean people are trying to hire fulcrum tried to hire um crispr companies Everybody wants, um, oh Christ, everybody's always saying, ah, we're going to hire Chris away. But, and then at UNR, uh, and people are like trying to get her to have her own. Well, you know, there's a push to have uh, more, more women in STEM faculty positions and, and she just doesn't want to do it. And actually I get criticized by the administration here because they think that I'm like holding her back. You're holding your people back. You're going to have her have knock yourself out. She doesn't want to have to do all the crap I have to do as a faculty member. And I actually ignore most stuff because, well, well, it's hard to get me to do things I don't want to do. Um, and, you know, I've been able to leverage some, some level of uh, influence at the university, um, mainly through the brilliant work of Chris and Takako. Uh, and Andrea and Hannah and um, and Ning and I mean really it's just we, we have fantastic people. But what it means is there's always things going on in FSHD. People, you know, Andrea's always got her um, head in the immunology literature and all muscle diseases, uh, developmental biology. Uh, you know, Carice is following all the CRISPR literature. So you just have this kind of this you know, this simmering pot of expertise in all these different areas. And we just see each other all day, every day, uh, talking about science. And unfortunately, that's what happened. Well, unfortunately, I'll say fortunately, you might say unfortunately, but I will say fortunately, that's what scientists do. 
I mean, my God, he put us at a dinner table and we all talk. <laughs> We're just a bunch of nerds. Um, but that's who we are. That's what we we like to do is we just talk science. We love doing it. Um, it's just interesting. And uh, you know, problem solving, puzzle solving, and and actually what people in the lab love is that they do feel like they're making a difference, whether it's you know, it's Miriam or Taylor uh, working on the diagnostic or um, you know, that's, that's helping, you know, it's helping people every, well, again, it's a diagnostic that's used as a research test that's helping people, but, you know, Andrea with her work that could be a biomarker for clinical trials that could be helpful for that answering a big problem, you know, if Carice's work going to clinic, um, Takako's work is, uh, you know, making the animal models that all the pharma companies want to use for their drug screens or their anti-sense or whatever. I mean, it's just, there's just something I mean, we just feel like the most fortunate um, group of, uh, of scientists to be working. But I, I think it gets to, you know, I, I was advised very early on in my career, one, not to work on FSHD um, because we weren't that, uh, you know, people try to help. I mean, that's probably good advice if, if I had wanted to stay at University of Illinois and be a full-time gardener. Um, you know, while a faculty member taking up space. Um, but they advised me not to work on FSHD at all. But if I did, just like one person, because, you know, rare disease is really hard. And, and you know, the, it's not bad advice, really, because the idea is it's hard to run a lab. You know, it's hard to get enough funding for a rare disease. It's hard enough, but to get, you know, you need multiple grants, lots of foundation money. And I just told you, you just can't do it. You just can't run a, a full lab on one rare disease. Now you're going to be cancer or diabetes or heart disease. Sure, knock yourself out at FSHD. Um, but well, it's just like, okay, so I guess you could have a little diagnostic group or you could do a little mechanism group or you could do a little biomarker person. Maybe you had one person working on some therapeutic approach, maybe a drug screen. You could have one person, or maybe you could just do it all. <laughs> We're just dumb enough to do it all. And but I think that the, what happens is then you have this, you know, there's someone to talk to about your stuff. And we're always just, you know, spitballing ideas, shooting stuff around. Andrea pops into my office all the time, you know, with, oh, did you see this paper on such and such? And normally I haven't because it's not an FSHD paper, but she's in the, the immunology literature, you know, and uh, Carice is always, you know, looking at stuff. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it, I, th I think it's, it's actually almost you could make the case you can't run a, a lab properly without multiple people doing multiple projects because you just need you just need that um that critical mass and so that's one you know, i'm gonna i actually originally kind of hesitated to invite people from the group to talk about my fshd but now actually they kind of want to in fact actually i think they're kind of upset if i don't invite them well we'll see about that we'll see but um and that's one of the impacts of having patients and families come to the lab to visit has been, you know, instead of people getting nervous, they look forward to it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll send my people out to lunch with, with the, that all depends on the logistics of, of a visit or which sometimes we take people out to dinner. Sometimes people stay a few days, um, you know, or just come by for an hour or two while they're passing through town. We'll have people that just stop in the lab as they're going from Salt Lake to San Francisco. Maybe you're heading up to Tahoe. Um, but now my people just love talking, you know, and, uh, you know, on, on Monday, 
you know, uh, Kim Thee and her dad from Vietnam are going to be in the lab all day. And I told everybody, you know, they'll, you know, some of, you know, they'll, I get to take them out to lunch and, uh, and talk about their projects and see the people they're trying to help, but also, you know, gives them an opportunity to, you know, just, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And you, and you, and in return, you'll see the excitement from them. It's so fantastic. And that's what I like. I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, Ning's hysterical. I'll, I'll just be in my office and you just see this head poke around the door with this big smile. She's like, I have data. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's good data or she wouldn't be coming in. Um, you know, so it's like, it's just, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever, whatever your job is, whatever you do, when you work really hard on something and then all of a sudden this, that, that moment when you see that it's working, Man, this is great, isn't it? I guess it doesn't matter what job you're doing. And so this is this is what we have. But but then everyone feels great. Well, what's going on? Oh, I heard everybody. What's the excitement? What's the excitement? You know, Takahiro comes in and Curtis comes in. Wow, what, 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 what? You know, it's just it's just great. And um, so you know, Andrea does. You know, she was working on her biomarker study, and it really was. You know, and the point of the biomarker, so you understand, is it really isn't a problem in FSHD. There's so much variability in the disease. And when you go to clinical trial, you know, you want to know, is my drug working? And so, you know, right now, what's being measured, what Fulcrum measured, for example, in the phase 2B clinical trial for lesmapamod, is, you know, I had to take a muscle biopsy before the trial, then a muscle biopsy 40 weeks after or something like that. And so, so and, and it was really kind of four needle biopsies, maybe one entry point, but they swung the needle four times, which is a pretty decent chunk of muscle. Um, and you don't have a lot already, right? That's why you're, you know, and then look for expression of the DUX4 gene signature. DUX4 is a transcription factor that is overexpressed in FSHD. And so it activates downstream genes to be expressed in skeletal muscle that are not normally expressed. And so by looking for the presence of mRNA, you know, it goes DNA, mRNA, protein, by looking for the presence of this mRNA, um, you can say, oh, um, these target genes are expressed in this muscle biopsy, so DUX4 is on. Presumably after the treatment with drug or antisense or CRISPR or whatever, um, if you look, those genes should no longer be present. And you say, oh, the drug is working, okay? Um, now that's when when Fulcrum missed their endpoint. They did not see that, and so they're looking for other things. And and you know, in their defense, there's it's not easy, right? But sure, it sure would be nice if it was something in your serum. If you could just take a blood sample or a urine sample or saliva sample or whatever, and check not just before and after, but maybe longitudinally, meaning as you know during the course, we're going to do a six month study. You can check every two weeks or every month, non in, you know, it's essentially non-invasive little blood draw. Wouldn't that be great? And in, in FSHD, we just don't have that. Your serum CK, um, your creatine kinase, which is indicative of muscle breaking down, it's just not that high. Uh, many of you, when you have blood work, if you've had um, from your neurologist to get your CK levels, you know, it can probably anywhere 300, 800, just you know, that's higher than normal, but not like in Duchenne where it could be, you know, in the thousands or other, or other muscular dystrophies. And, and so that hasn't been a really reliable marker. It's all over the place. Um, and so, you know, we're looking uh, for, you know, what Andrea was talking about was she's using the Takako's mouse models 
and you know, where you can control Duck Spore levels and saying, what does Duck Spore activate in serum? And it was hard to find stuff actually. You know, mouse only has two mils of serum, something like that. <laughs> it's a, not a lot. Um, but, uh, and what, you know, she can also look at the muscle and see what's in there because presumably if muscle is degrading, what's present in that muscle will become in your serum. And then um, check uh, human serum samples and see what do you find? And so she did find a microRNA, uh, MIR-206 is, is elevated in everybody that came through with FSHD um, and well elevated over, over control, meaning non-FSHD. And so that's an interesting thing. That's a potential. Does it react to duct spore? Would it go down? Um, we, we believe it should, but we, we don't know because we don't have anything that knocks down duct spore yet um, in, in people. Um, and then the second thing she found was that interleukin-6. And it really was a, a striking thing. If you want to understand how science goes, I mean, there are so many papers in the FSHD field. There are so many dead ends. Uh, and this actually is, is a cautionary note for researchers getting into the field. And we see this all the time and, and no one listens, but we still advise. There's so many studies where a group looked at something, they got some little preliminary result, uh, and then they basically got a foundation grant and um, maybe a publication or not, maybe just a presentation at a meeting um, on whatever finding X, whatever X is and then nothing ever again. And so there are several microRNA papers, somebody found this microRNA. And, and what happened, basically things don't get validated, right? You found something, you publish it. Normally the studies maybe not done very high power, maybe not, you know, not meaning not a lot of samples. Um, the more samples you have, the more confidence you have in your result. And so maybe this is just what's going, you know, and, and then it just doesn't get validated by another group. It doesn't mean you did anything wrong, but this is an important part of science is independent validation of research results. Okay. And, uh, you know, and, you know, different labs do things slightly different. You get different things. I mean, I mean, look at all this stuff that's come out in the COVID vaccines or the COVID um, treatments, you know, it's uh, how many times do, well, you know, the devil's in the details. Uh, if you give hydroxychloroquine to people at the end stage of disease, it doesn't work. So the conclusion is it doesn't work. If you give it to people when they first get diagnosed before symptoms, it seems to work pretty damn well. Um, of course, <laughs> politicians won't let it work. And I'm not proposing anything. I'm just saying that there's a, those are different experiments, very different experiments. So that's not a case of validation or not. That's a case of using a different experiment to invalidate. Um, something that you, your, your corporate interests and pharma contracts don't want you to get, get through. Um, same thing happens in FSHD. You can, an experiment may not replicate uh, because you did it completely differently. <laughs> maybe you don't want it to work. Um, or maybe it's, um, uh, but if you really do it correctly and you really do similar experiments, it doesn't have to be exactly the same, but generally the same, but you know, because you don't want it to be an artifact of the, the, the system, but what you really want to do is find, can two independent groups come up with the same finding? And if you don't, can you figure out why and, and whatever? And so it was really just shocking to us when uh, Dr. Sacconi contacted us and said, hey, I did a big cytokine screen on patients 
And I found something really cool. And we're like, well, she's like, ah, oh, can you do it in your mice? And, you know, and Andrea's like, look, can she, I remember, she's like, you know, we've already done this and I'm not really want to, you know, it was a question of somebody did your experiment and do you work with them or try to try to rush something out? And we, we decided, well, let's just, you know, we, we really like Sabrina. I think she does, is a great neurologist. Um, and she does, she does a lot of fantastic work and, and she is a fun person. She is just a high energy, a little bit nutty, but great. Actually, she, she's a fantastic um, person to work with, in my opinion. And, uh, and so anyway, we were happy to work with her and, um, she's down in Nice in South of France at the, at the hospital. And we said, okay, what do you got? And what do we got? And we had found the same thing, interleukin-6 as a serum biomarker that is elevated in FSHD patients. In her case, in our case, it was elevated in, in, uh, the serum of our mouse model and, and it correlated rough little bit with, um, severity of the disease in patients and also the severity of disease in our mouse model. Now, again, you know, you know, there's, you know, people said, oh, well, they're wrong because um, we, we did that experiment and we didn't find interleukin-6 elevated. So you guys are wrong. Well, you go and look, well, they did a different experiment. And so under different conditions in a different situation, uh, interleukin-6 levels, um, well, well, the problem was they were high and, and they were all over the place if you do the experiment wrong. Well, I shouldn't say wrong, differently. We're very well controlled the way Sabrina did it. Um, it's a pretty clear answer. And extremely well controlled the way Andrea did it. Because in the mice, you can be much more controlled. That's a value of the model is you have much more control over the genetics, the background, the housing, the feeding. And with people, you don't have much control over genetics, background, housing, and feeding, exercise. So, you know, this was just a great case of, you know, independent labs finding the same thing, then working together. Then the questions that came out were about, um, because the other exciting part about interleukin-6 is a biomarker being elevated in FSHD is there are ways to target that pathway of um, there with therapeutics with FDA approved drugs. Now, again, this would not be getting to the root cause of disease, but you guys need help, man. So, so anything that amel potentially ameliorates pathology, slows it down, or even temporarily uh, might be useful. So there are um, these anti-IL-6 receptor. IL-6 is a protein in your serum. It binds to a receptor that is on a cell and then signal, then, then that initiates a signal um, transduction cascade and, and things, yeah, the things happen. Um, if you block that function, either with an antibody, something that inactivates the IL-6 or blocks the receptor. So if you combine the receptor without turning it on um, and uh, you can block this um, signaling in the cell, then the, the inflammatory effect of um, IL-6 would be blocked. And maybe then if you don't have inflammation in your muscles, maybe you don't have as much pathology, maybe not as much pain. So, so that, that was the idea. And uh, so there are drugs for rheumatoid arthritis because interleukin-6 is really the therapeutic target for rheumatoid arthritis. And so these are FDA approved drugs that people are putting in. Now um, it's a very different disease and these are different things, ways to go about it. Uh, but, you know, that, that was the idea. And so um, Sabrina now has some funding from um, the French 
I know it's actually it's like the French version of NIH. I think I don't know what and you know and and we're working with her to really in, investigate this. Also, FSHD Canada has funded our lab to do some of this work in our mouse model, and Andrea is looking into this. Now, you know, again, I always say the devil's in the details. We'll see what happens. Uh, but and, and don't go injecting yourself with any of this stuff. But I did hear from our good friend uh, Caroline who says that, um, you know, a member of her family is on the RA drug for um, arthritis and really isn't, you know, FSHD ain't so bad. Now, you know, again, you know, these are kind of some one-off stories, but it's interesting. So there, you know, I think there are some legs, the companies that own these um, drugs um, may be interested in setting up a clinical trial because that's what you need to do, right? You're, you need to actually do a controlled clinical trial to find out, you know, because I mean, you know, think about your own disease progression. You have good days and bad days. You can have good periods and bad periods. We need to know for sure what is happening with any of these treatments, whether it's um, these uh, RA drugs, um, whether it's uh, lasmapamod or stem cells or exosomes or whatever, antisense. Things have to be done in properly controlled clinical trials where you can truly get information on whether or not these are working, what are the adverse side effects, potentially, if any, and um, what are the clinical benefits, if any, because there's just so much variability. And just, just remember that in the Duchenne muscular dystrophy trials with the kids, where they do the six-minute walk test, giving a kid a placebo instead of the real drug is just as good as giving them the drug and, and, and for a period of time. There's the placebo effect where whether you try harder, you're excited to be in the trial and, you know, you just, it's true, you know, there's, you can be fooled um, into thinking something works. And so they really need them properly controlled. And uh, so I don't we don't that. But, you know, apart from the therapeutic approach, it's exciting that there's the potential of these biomarkers and then hopefully uh, as these large clinical trials are being done and people are looking, um, they'll look maybe for IL-6 levels um, in response to antisense treatment or whatever, or look at microRNA-206 and um, let's see, you know, I mean, getting back to why, why haven't other people found these before? Again, devil's in the details, different ways to do experiments, fasting or non-fasting, gets back to what we talked about. You know, a, a number of people did respond to me about the effects of um, the environment on their FSHD. And so I got to tell you from what I've heard from all of you all out there, you know, in podcast land, uh, you know, the clinical trial sites need to be paying attention um, to, you know, what, where you're coming from and um, time of day and, and a lot of variables that, that may be going on. The interesting thing about altitude, um, you know, my, my student Ben with FSHD, so from, he moved here from Tampa and the altitude hasn't really had any effect. We're about a mile up here in Reno. Be curious what it's going to be like going back, but of course he, you know, his breathing is fine. So it could be a type of thing where, depending on you, that maybe altitude has no effect on one person, but does have an effect on someone else. Temperature seems to definitely have an effect on people, but, you know, and also you know, it has an effect on uh, my mom who's 87, you know, <laughs> I mean, how, how she feels. So it kind of makes sense, right? If your muscles, your muscles aching, hey, a storm's coming in and my toe's aching, 
you know, or whatever, and my, you know, you feel your joints or, you know, there's, you know, there's reasons to think that your body responds to massive changes in humidity, temperature. Um, I'm a, well, actually I'm up at five now every day. <laughs> it used to be being up at five. If I wasn't, um, if I wasn't fishing, I wasn't going to be up at five. I haven't gone fishing in years, but used to be that was I used to say that's the only thing that'll get me up before sunrise is fishing there but, but also the Saturday podcast now that gets me up too and it's pretty cool watching the sun coming up well it's actually I'm facing west so I'm watching the well it, it gets bright out in the backyard and you get to well yeah, yeah last year I saw a bear go running through hauling hauling bear butt whatever <laughs> running pretty fast through the yard um, when the sun came up, I guess uh, that people are starting to walk their dogs. I'm glad the bear's running away from the dogs and not towards them. Anyway, good times. All right, so you know that's kind of was the the idea on the um, on the biomarking. I talked with Andrea. She has so much going on, uh, and again, she's all you know. I, I think she will end up having her own lab. You know, I guess you know I kind of you know I fumble around. We don't script anything, and so fumbling around at the end of that, you know, just uh, one. I always tease her first off because she is a huge um soccer fan football fan whatever and she's an amazing player actually she you know we have a lab party at the house she brings a soccer ball over and just makes fun of us all um i mean americans suck anyway at soccer in general I, we got some good guys coming now but uh um i mean i was i was i made i got uh i was uh what, what do you call it north all, all northwest ohio center half you know and i suck <laughs> compared to andrea um back in high school um you know thank god she wasn't a spurs fan though man united i can handle if she was a spurs fan i think we wouldn't have been able to we couldn't have had her in the lab we just would so very fortunate in that respect um, but then again, I can't imagine a Spurs fan actually doing research. It's uh, yeah, you know. Now nah, I'm just kidding. I don't mean to be nasty, but uh, it is funny. Um, one of my sister's best friends is a Spurs fan, and, and my sister lived in England for ten years or something. And we were having she, I was, she came to New York, and we were hanging out. She's like, oh, you like football? And I'm like, uh, she's like, oh, who do you like? I'm like Arsenal. She's like Spurs. That was just the end of the conversation. There's no point in talking after that. You know, I mean, I mean, we talk about other stuff, but there's no point in talking football. <laughs> it's just like, okay, okay, this, this is going to go sideways here. We're just going to shut up. Um, but Andrea and I, we talk, we talk all the time. Um, she's a big Benfica fan, but you know, one of the reasons she's she's still in the lab is because you know the prospects for having your own lab, doing muscle research, you know, back in Portugal where her family is. You know, it's just there's just not a lot of opportunities and it's just hard it's not an, it's not a reflection of her talent um and i keep telling her she could you know we could hire now they want Carice to be faculty you know she actually um is a faculty member um now at unr uh in my group so still affiliated uh but i, I think it'd be fantastic she could have her own group going on if she if we could convince her to stay um and uh, that's why I was telling her she's going to have, uh, we're going to replace that Ronaldo statue with the, the greatest scientist from Portugal. It'll be uh, uh, Dr. Nunez. And uh, I think she's got fantastic potential. And these are the reasons, you know, these are the things I always tell you, I don't teach at all. And I don't teach, I don't lecture. I've had some really bad experiences, but we teach in the lab and, you know, it's, it's a small, but I think, you know, making impact in this way and an environment and uh, finding good people. And that I hope that's something you look, one one thing I hope you all understand is uh, not just in my group, obviously, um, but they're, they you know, understand, get to meet the people and understand the personalities 
and the passion behind the research and all these people, whether it's my lab or anywhere else in the world, there's, um, you know, that I think a lot of people are very passionate about what they do and um, trying to help uh, in FSHD. And it's fascinating disease um, and a wonderful community. And I will say that is, it is, I don't know, again, I'm not in a lot of, I'm not in other disease communities. Um, I hope they're as good as the FSHD community, but you all are just the nicest folks. And, um, and anyway, it's, it really, it really makes a difference to um, interface with the, the community from members of the lab and really excites them. And, and, you know, they're doing everything they can. Uh, so, so anyway, you know, I think we're going to have Andrea for a while because the prospects of opening your own lab in Europe are just kind of tough. And she really does like to do her. And that's seriously what I do. I just like, whatever you want to do, find brilliant people. My job is to get the money and the space and put the screws on the university when we need something, or if anyone who crosses us, <laughs> trust me, it's all good until I have to call you. If, I, if I'm calling you on the phone, then, then you're, you got a problem. Um, so most people do what we need, uh, but that's my job. Their job is to be brilliant, to be, uh, and to um, do things that I never would have thought of. So I don't tell people what to do. I, I give people the opportunity and the freedom and the financial support to, to do what they need to do. And when Andrea says, I need patients coming in, I get eye contact patients. I'm, hey, why don't you guys come on by? Hey, what can we do? You know, when Carice needs viruses, I find a way to get that. When Takako um, needs whatever she needs. I'm um, actually Takako, she normally just does it herself. Um, but, you know, I, we're writing grants and we're doing stuff. So, you know, there are different, you know, as a PI, that, so, so that's in some ways, I think that's, well, that's exactly why Carice wants to stay in her position. She is also faculty. She's research faculty. There's two types, there's two tracks in academia. There's tenure track where you have to do all this administrative junk and um, teaching and all this stuff, unless you're me, and um, a research track where it's 100% research. But in the research track, you then the state doesn't pay your salary. You have to pay 100% of your salary from grants, and that's what I do. I pay 100% of Andrea's salary. Pay 100%. Actually, I pay 100% of everybody's salary, including my own. By the way, that's one reason. That's actually why I don't have to teach. Um, so you're on soft money. You don't have as much security. But if you're good at what you're doing and getting funding, you're plenty secure. But in the other side, you don't have to do all this administrative stuff. And so Carice gets to spend all day, every day, doing her CRISPR projects, thinking about FSHD, uh, designing new projects, being innovative. You know, Takiko spends you know, her time, again, doing, doing science and research, what she's, been, what she's great at, and Andrea, and, and same thing, you know, Ning, um, Ben, um, you know, Hannah, the whole gang, Taylor. Taylor's left. I'm still, I still not reconciled that Taylor's gone and just missed my people so much. You know, um, you know, Monique you know, spending her time. Um, now we have Brooke and Enrique. And, you know, people they get to spend 100% of their time. Um, and I, my job is just to make sure they're funded. And uh, and, <laughs> and you know what? I'm the last. Person. I've actually taken. It, it's it's actually a funny. You know, I kind of bang on academia, and I still do. You know. Um, you know, all all of my people wonder how we're supported. So typically in academia, the state, if you're in a state school like this, like at UNR, actually pays 75 to 100% of your salary. And so it actually doesn't matter whether you get a grant or not. And I think that's part of the problem is a lot of these people just can basically get full salaries out of faculty and not do a damn thing. 
um, research-wise. Um, we're a little bit different. Uh, I'm the only person in the state this way, but uh, the state doesn't pay any of my salary. Um, I'm an endowed chair. Um, I, there's an endowment that covers me. I'm not guaranteed to have it. It has to get renewed. Um, but there's an endowment from Hitchcock that covers me. And then the rest of my salary is covered by grants and um, that from the National Institutes of Health or and that's pretty, yeah, pretty much I'm all NIH grants. Um, so 0% state funded <clears throat> for myself. And, and that's actually why they can put the screws on me and teach. They're like, would you like to? <laughs> for, you know, actually, I would like to, um, but again, big universities don't care about teaching i'm just not gonna play their idiotic game um but uh so so that's the deal is that you you get different uh ways to be funded um but i went in the other <clears throat> twice i've gone in and asked for a pay reduction i mean this place is idiotic right it's the there's financial restrictions the state's going bankrupt because of covid or whatever you know they're cutting 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 so what do they do they cut administrative staff. They get rid of secretaries and admins and, and support help, which barely cost anything. And then they get faculty raises. I mean, it's just the dumbest thing ever. And um, so, yeah, I would, I would ask for a pay cut. And the reason I ask for a pay cut is because that means I get more, since I'm paid, I get all of my money, all of my pay comes from grants. Um, if I take a pay cut, I actually, that means I have more grant money. I can hire another person and put more into FSH, more into our research. And it was funny. They were like, no, they didn't know how to do it. No one's ever asked for a pay cut before um, because of the state span. Yeah, who cares, right? I mean, it's not coming out of your research budget. It's just coming out of the state budget. Um, we did this in Illinois as well. Uh, Takako worked for two years for free and I took a 25% pay cut so that we could fund our lab and have a postdoc and more people. You know, this is why we think of the lab as a, as a small business. You invest in your business and for in, the, in the near term for long-term success. And so when we're running out of money, we, we've done, um, we've taken mortgages out on our house, we've invested our own personal money to get to where we are now. But that's the kind of dedication um, that the lab as a whole, because we want to see, we want to be successful. We're not in this to just have a job, we're in this to cure this damn disease. And so, you know, you make these sacrifice here to long, to long-term benefit there. <clears throat> and anyone out there who's running a small business, um, you know, cup, no matter if it's a cupcake shop, um, whether you're, you know, Charlotte over there in England with her create Charlotte's Creative Crafts, which is what, just fantastic. It's a really cool, you know, she's got her small business going where she makes, she goes around to craft shows and sells her stuff. You know, you invest in yourself and your business and for long-term success. And, you know, that's, and if you're passionate about what you do, um, you know, I, what I'm just got into, what is it? Witchy women's waxes, another cool thing that's out there. One of our FSHD friends is doing that. You know, you, all you people running your small businesses, you know, you understand you invest in your business, you put your time and your effort um, for long-term success. That's about how we do with the lab. And the boss is the last person that should get paid. Okay, um, so. Just in case all these people out there want to be the boss, you should be the last person to get paid and take care of your people first. And that's how you get a successful business and get things done. All right. So I'm just kind of going off rails. Um, you know, so I wanted to kind of just do the biomarker. I'm going to be heading out to San Francisco. Then we're going to cruise down to my, we're actually going to take a, oh, <laughs> we're going to take a couple of days off from lab. Well, take Saturday and Sunday off. We'll be back Sunday afternoon. Takako's already freaking out because it's like, it's like, ah, 
<laughs> she can't go in the lab Saturday evening. Um, what am I going to do? And then she'll have her computer. But we're going to go cruise. We're going to take our friends down the Monterey Coast, down to Big Sur. Just figure, you know, how can you pass that up? If you're going to show off the U.S. to people, there's so many beautiful spots. But Big Sur and then Route 1 cruising down south of uh, Carmel. You know, it was a fun, it's, it's just a great place to be. And then we'll cruise back to uh, Route 50 and get back through um, to Carson and get up to Lab Monday. Um, all right. So, oh, you know, I just, I, I was thinking, you know, all my, all my, every time I bring someone on here, they want to do a non 80s song, you know, drive me nuts, man. Cause we're all about the 80s, right? But this is, the, I don't know why, but this just popped into my head for the song I'm going to go with today. It's going to be Oingo Boingo. Okay, it was my college roommate's favorite group, Boingo Boingo, um, Weird Science. Stand my interest. 
right. Very 80s for sure. I'm not sure how many people went into science for because of Kelly LeBrock, but if it's just a few of them, good job. All right. So, um, yeah, it never even occurred to me. I mean, <laughs> this is my science fix. You know, one thing that uh, Carice always says, she's like, you know, and again, this is not her quote, but it's uh, she just she reads one of those reading people. Um, and uh, what today's science fiction is tomorrow's science fact. You know, I'm not saying that you're going to be making um, reanimating people out of magazines, uh, but there's something to be said for that. You just don't know what tomorrow's advance is going to be. Where are we going to be tomorrow? Right now, we have certain limitations we talk about in the science, but you know, you just you just don't know what's going to happen. In 2010, we weren't talking about CRISPR because really nobody knew about it. You know, that really popped in 2012 is when it really hit the big time as being applicable to human systems. Those are like the Nobel winning, you know, findings, you know, Jennifer Dubna and Emmanuel Charpentier, uh, you know, basically really brought CRISPR to the main, mainstream. And that was then followed up by Feng Zhang and George Church showing it in humans. They'll probably get the next Nobel Prize. Uh, and, you know, and we're, we're, so we're, you know, that opened our eyes and, you know, the, how to apply this to FSHD. And, and now, right now, we're talking about viral vectors and delivery biomarkers. And, you know, we know where we are now, but it's hard to say where we're going to be tomorrow. The technology is moving at just an amazing pace all around the world, other diseases, neuromuscular diseases. And I, I, I got to tell you, I've never been so excited. I mean, it's just, it's just, I, I can't tell you everything I know. I got to tell you, but I can tell you, man, the future is bright for FSHD therapeutics. It really is. And when I you know what, I'm not asking you for money. I'm not shaking you down. I'm not selling you anything. So hopefully um, you can't believe everything everybody says. Let me tell you, um, if you give me money, I will take care. You know, that is not the case here. I'm just giving you information and I can honestly say, and I mean, you may think I'm excitable. I'm actually not as excitable as you think. I'm, exci I'm excited. I seem excitable because I've seen exciting things in the, in the FSHD space and, and, and good times are coming. Um, and it, you know, and it's in a great innovative people. That's why it is important to give brilliant, innovative people like Carice and Takako and Andrea and Hannah, um, you know, and many in other labs around the world, um, um, the opportunity uh, to to grow and be innovative and try things out, you know. And funding funding is not uh, there is not as much as, as as you need. You can always use more. Um, but you know what? A lot of quite honestly, a lot of my complaints is that there's a lot of funding that's wasted on just dumbass projects. And I'm sorry, I am somebody who says let's just try it. We're just dumb enough to do it, but we're not dumb enough to do everything. Some people are. Sure, so I'm going to have to fund everything, which is why I'm not on grant review. Well, some people hate me on grant review. Um, well, actually, a lot of people hate me on grant review because no one ever writes a bad grant. It's always the fault of the reviewer pointing out how freaking stupid their project is. Um, and it just defies the laws of physics. What's the big deal? Um, or it makes no sense. Um, but there's, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. And I'm basically the biggest advocate in the world for the competition when they're doing cool stuff. And... Um, because somebody's got to cure this thing. I'm going fishing, come hell or high water anyway. I don't need to be the one to cure it. Someone's going to cure up this HD. And then we're, we're, we're hitting Tahoe and going fishing. Um, we, we truly do want to cure this. All right. Uh, you know, oh, got it, you know, 
uh, yeah, I noticed I didn't do it at the front end, but you know, my kid Eugenia up in Portland. Nope, just give me a shout out. Love you. Hope you're having a good weekend. Hope this is a good weekend for you. Um, and um, yeah, give me a, you know, you, you can send me a text, say hi. It's okay. Um, <laughs> I know you're busy, but just want to let you know I'm thinking of you. And um, as I promised you, I would. And uh, everyone else, we're heading up to San Francisco. If you're going to the Patient Connect, please come by and say hi to us. I think um, the is has made us some my FSHD vests that she's bringing from Vietnam, and we should be pretty obvious um, when we're there. We'll be walking around on uh, all. We'll be there all day Saturday and the morning on um, Sunday uh, and on Friday evening. We're gonna hit the Space Coast all day Friday. And, um, but yeah, come by, say hi. Um, we'd love to meet you, um, introduce yourself and, uh, and uh, you know, welcome, welcome the, to the uh, worldwide FSHD community. And um, yeah, you know, I bet you have a lot in common. You know, good folks. All right, heading out. Um, uh, we're gonna have a Jagger. Jagger, take it. Hey, Jagger just sent me some new music, but he said, don't post it, man, because uh, he's still working on it. But the dude's creative. Another creative FSHD are doing great, but he's he's going to take us home. Hope you all have a good weekend and we'll be back with you. You know what? I'm going to get my student, Hannah, who is absolute genius. Oh, my goodness. Hannah's going to I'm going to see if I can get her to join us on Wednesday because it's her last day. She's heading out, but she has been one of the probably the single best student I've ever had. And she's going to talk FSHD and the life of a grad student. I hope I'm going to see if I can get her talk her into it. All right. Catch you all later. Bye.